Hey there, Zlatko here from Taco Agency and the host of Taco Talk Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Nat Eliason, who is the founder of Growth Machine. He also has his personal blog at nateliason.com, which gets roughly about 300,000 visitors per month. That's right, 300,000 visitors per month. He discusses topics like traveling, marketing, philosophy, technology, the books he reads, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to sign up for his Monday Medley newsletter. Growth Machine helps businesses get more customers through SEO-focused content marketing, backlink strategy, and getting businesses to the top of Google search results. Nat founded Growth Machine in 2017, and his team is continuously growing. Nat chats about his growth, strategy, and balancing his personal life. While running his successful business, he does a lot of running, cooking, reading, and most importantly, playing with his dog. You can find Nat on Twitter, at Nat Eliason, that's N-A-T-E-L-I-S-O-N. His Twitter is definitely worth following. He posts a lot of great tips and tricks regarding content marketing, SEO, and how he continues to be successful with his business. I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. How's the whole COVID thing treating you? Uh, good. It's It's been not too bad, you know, just uh, hanging out here in Austin. It's It's not quite as bad as they make it seem on the news. We don't have like bodies piling up in the street or anything uh it's like case count is high but fatality rates not so it really hasn't been felt too much but you know can't really go many places you can go to restaurants uh and mostly sit outside but bars are still closed uh but you know it's nice because there's so much outdoor stuff to do here anyway that like you can go you know walk around the lake or go for a run or hang out outside or and we're just having friends over a lot like doing group dinners and things like that so it's pretty love chill it. i don't know love I'm it okay yeah life yeah i'm not i'm not it's not too bad when you already have a remote company man <laughs> yeah that that's huge too it's like there's no adjustment period it's just like oh we're doing the same thing we were always doing i, I don't know if you feel this way i i find it really funny for everyone who's like adjusting to using zoom for the first time regularly like, yeah man i read about it and they're using like funky backgrounds and stuff like that <laughs> and yeah just like, and, yeah and i'm over here like man we've been using this so, for so long this is how we do everything so exactly it's just normal yeah. are you guys a big video company or you guys usually just do voice or email and stuff like that we're just not we're not a big calling company honestly when we do calls we do video but we do a big team meeting with everyone on Monday and then everyone has a few one-on-ones, but that's about it. We do very few meetings in general. Um, so like we, we did a meeting to go over the second mood board, but like that was unusual, honestly, right. we would have a meeting for something. It just made the most sense for like doing design review stuff. So yeah, 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 absolutely. That's exactly what we do too. If it's design related, we'll jump on a call, kind of do that. And then uh, from there, we'll just be kind of ad hoc type of thing. But yeah, we're not very big. I think, I think it's a pretty much the same schedule. We're like Mondays, we have our little call, get caught up and then just keep the, keep everything moving forward. But yeah, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, my life hasn't changed. She goes, she goes to an office and works and all this. And I'm just like, my life life has not changed one bit get to still walk my dog every day get to hang out just <laughs> yep <laughs> i love it's it nice. i love it yeah, yeah it's really nice man it's it's such a it's such a you know people say we take it for granted i really don't take it for granted man like i wake up and i'm like man i love what i do like i'm i'm happy to be where i'm at man yeah i'm pretty happy too it's like yeah 
I, I really don't mind this life at all. Like, where, it might be nice doggy? if there were... F- uh, they're downstairs. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing with like, you know, Texas and little fluffy dogs is like, you take them on one walk a day for 20 minutes and they're, they're just like done. They're like, all right. <laughs> that's, oh, that's enough. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, man, I just, uh, thanks for, thanks for doing this, man. I think it's, uh, it's great that we get to catch up a little bit. As I told you, man, this it was like in September when I mentioned, I wanted to kind of get this podcast going and kind of just talk to people like yourself and other agencies and, um, you know, just talk about, you know, how people run their processes and how they run their agencies, how they run their companies, what works, what doesn't, you know, and all that. So, so thanks for following up with this man and, and kind of getting this going. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so do you want to just kind of give people a quick intro on like your company, what you do and just something quick and easy, just so that we can have a little bit of that in the, in the video and people can kind of understand the, the full scope of things of what you do. Cause it's pretty yeah, so. impressive and pretty impressive what you do, my man. Thanks dude. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Nat Eliason. I run an SEO and content marketing agency called Growth Machine. So we predominantly work with consumer SaaS and e-commerce companies to help get them to the top of Google for everything their customers are looking for. And we've had the pleasure of working with Z and Taco on multiple <laughs> occasions in many different uh, aspects. So excited to be here and, and jam on Taco Talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of see, so how's, how's everything with, uh, you know, with like Cup and Leaf, you guys still rolling along? Is everything kind of moving there? I know you guys had bought a space and all that, but how's everything with the COVID yeah. thing now? I mean, we, we built out all of the, you know, we, we found a cafe space to build out. We signed that lease February, 2019. Uh, we worked from February through December doing all of the permitting and building it out and all of that. Uh, we opened in January and then in March we had to shut down for COVID. So, oh. uh, <laughs> you, haven't op- you haven't opened up again, opened up yet? No, no. I mean, oh man. It's like, I just, you know, we almost could not have timed it worse in the, in the hundred year history of the country. There has almost been, there's almost <laughs> never been a worse time to have opened a cafe. We, we got within two months of like the worst possible date that you could have opened a restaurant in the last like hundred years. So and from uh, what I saw, it was just getting going too, huh? I know. Yeah. It's a shame. Cause it's like, if you, I mean, anybody can Google it and you can look at like, we had awesome Yelp reviews coming in, awesome Google reviews. Like everybody like really liked it and revenue was like going up really nicely week over week and people were coming in more and letting their friends know about it. Um, but it's just like, you know, it, it's one thing if you, you know, I've got a friend here in Austin who runs a wine bar, right? And they, you know, they can't have people sit in and order wine anymore, but he's got a big like to-go business selling bottles of wine, right? And like wine by the case. And that's like super lucrative Uh, or, you know, coffee places that do a lot of to-go orders, right? Like they can kind of be open and they can do to-go, but for the tea cafe, it's like we were a sit-in predominantly place, right? It was like, 80% 80% of the business was coming, sitting in, having a few, you know, cups of tea, hanging out, doing your work, like, you know, being there for a bit. It was like kind of a community thing too. And, you know, I just don't know when that's coming back, right? Like, I don't know when oh. people are going to go sit in inside at cafes anymore. So, uh, you know, possibly never. Um, Which and, is know, we kind of crazy to think about, right? Like possibly yeah. like one of those things being like maybe never in some places. Or at least like two, three years, right? It's yeah. like, you know, the, the question that, you know, I'll talk about with friends sometimes is like, you know, when would you feel really comfortable going to a crowded bar 
right? Like it blows my mind that some people feel comfortable with that already, right? But I think that anybody, <laughs> anybody who's like, you know, thinking about it for, you know, a few seconds would be like, eh, not yet, right? And then it's sort of like when, and then you've got like progressively more difficult versions of that, right? Like when would you go to a nightclub again? Or like, when oh. would you go to a concert again? It's just like, man, and you know, the indoor cafe is not all the way up there, but it's it's higher than a lot of things because, you know, it really does seem like the, the indoor shared air transmission is the main way this thing gets around. So it's like, you know, not only would I not go sit in a cafe, but like, we don't want to work there, right? Like we don't right. want to be standing in there for 12 hours a day, like, you know, sharing air with a ton of random people and we all know how careful they're being. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't want to like endanger baristas with that. So it's just like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, has that, has that, yeah. Has that correlated anything to you guys kind of uh, getting more orders online at all? I uh, no, well, and it's hard to say because like tea is a kind of seasonal business. You don't get right. as many orders in the summer. So it's like our orders are down during the summer, but I don't know if I can say that's because of COVID stuff or just because of the seasonality, right? Right. Like, we would predict it even in a non-COVID scenario, but it definitely hasn't led to like more orders. I think that like the things that seem to be doing well right now are like comfort goods and like semi-essentials and then like biz like SaaS and like business tools. Uh, right. So it's like wine company or like, you know, directing consumer wine companies or like uh, snack companies, things like that. Like they're doing super well, but like tea is in this like kind of uh, premium consumer good type place where I don't know, we just like, we haven't seen a, a big increase in sales from people being quarantined at home, unfortunately. Yeah. And how's, uh, how's Cassette dealing with that? I know that was her little baby. <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're staying home, focused on other stuff. She's still running all the online things, right? So oh, cool. it's like, she, she's focused on that primarily. Um, and then it's also like, you know, we're not in the cafe anymore. So she's got a lot of other time to do other things and she's like getting her real estate license and being able to do both of those at the same time, which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, love it, man. Love it. Yeah. yeah. That's a, it's a good time to do any kind of like, you know, if you have any passion project about studying anything or learning, getting licenses, certifications, couldn't be a better time. It's, it's amazing. Are you guys, uh, so, you so much cooking. Like, <laughs> I noticed that. I, I, saw that. I saw that. I saw that. That's awesome. And yeah, I've always loved cooking. And so when my girlfriend came and stayed with me for a while, it was one of those things where like, we just kept cooking every single day. We were just like, man, we never thought we would miss going out to eat at this point. So it was yeah. really interesting, man. It was really Dude, interesting. I like don't miss going out to eat anymore. I feel like the more you cook, yeah. the more you find how many cuisines you can just like replicate yourself at home pretty comfortably. And it's like, I feel like that would be an interesting way to think about cooking in terms of leveling up through different cuisines that yeah. you can do well at home. Like I, I have, I feel no desire to like ever go to a steakhouse because I know that I like, you know, I live in Texas, right? I could just go buy like a triple A cut of meat. I can grill it super well at home and it's going to be better than I would get in like 99% of steakhouses. But like, I can't make sushi, right? So, <laughs> right, like, I, I don't have access to that kind of fish, right? Like, I'm not going to fly to Tokyo and go to the fish market and get like the premium sushi that some places right. can get access to, right? So it's like, I would 100% pay to go to a sushi restaurant. But like, you know, we've been learning to do like really, really good homemade pasta, right? Like oh, getting love it. super, super clean heirloom wheat and like, you know, pasture raised eggs and like trying to make the best pasta possible 
And it's like, okay, we don't like need to go to many Italian restaurants anymore. Right. So <laughs> it's kind of a fun way to think about cooking. Like which, which cuisines can you like master enough at home so that you can be more selective in where you want to eat out. Yeah. You're going to go to restaurants later on. You're going to be like, no, this is not good pasta. I could tell you exactly what's in this, what's not in this. <laughs> Yep. Yep. It's like, uh, the, you know, they didn't use like a thin or a, a fine enough grain. It's like, you know, too chewy or whatever. Like <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to start writing about pastas and all kinds of other shit. I love it. I love there it. There we man. go. Start a pasta blog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how's uh, how's growth machine been doing now? You guys been staying busy. How's this been affecting you guys? Good way, bad way. How's it, how's it been going? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, the, when, when everything's really picked up in the beginning of March, it was bad. Uh, because we had a number of clients who were exposed in one way or another to local businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we had one client who did staffing for restaurants, right? Like their business was, yeah, like headhunting and finding really good employees for restaurants. Right. So they basically immediately had to cancel their project with us. We had another one who was doing, um, Let's see, what were some of the other ones? Oh yeah, we had another one who was doing like micro loans and micro grants for starting local businesses. So you wanted to start a plumbing company or you wanted to start a like roofing company. They would like give you kind of an income share agreement, $50,000 loan. And then as you grow the business, you pay it back, right? Like super low, uh, like low risk debt for starting local businesses like that, right? Like they immediately had to basically fire everyone and shut down. There was just like a bunch of companies like that. And you know, we're, we're like getting these emails from them and like, I'm, I'm not mad. Like I feel bad for them. Right. Like, right. you know, it's cause like we're friends with these people and they're telling us like, Hey, like our business just blew up overnight. Right. That's not, so those are sad. not fun emails to get. Yeah. Um, but we lost like 40% of our business in the span of two weeks. When oh, it started. Shit. Yeah. So it was pretty significant. Uh, and you know, luckily we had gone through a process the month before of, uh, like reorganizing some things and make some improvements because we were trying to get a little bit more efficient, but then the, you know, all of those clients dropped with the COVID stuff and it was kind of like, Oh shit, this is like a real problem. So, uh, you know, we lost all that revenue and sort of told the team like, Hey, we don't know when this is coming back. We need to get super aggressive with cutting costs in as many places as possible and just like hunker down and ride this out. And we did. And, Everyone did like an awesome job with it. And there was a solid month and a half where we just didn't get any leads. We got maybe, you know, 10 leads when we would normally get 40 or 50 in a month, right? There was just nobody hiring. Uh, And then, and you know what I think it was? It's like companies got their PPP money. They they got the PPP checks and they said, oh, okay, we can invest in growth again. Let's go. And once that hit we've just been getting insane inbound and been signing like two clients a week. We literally can't hire project managers and people fast enough to like keep up with the client demand. Uh, and now we're like booking clients out a month in advance to start projects because we just can't get them going. Uh, so it's been kind of like a crazy swing where, you know, we, you know, had that huge drop and we really freaked out for a while, got super efficient with everything and then got this big, uh, influx. And the really great thing about it is we, we figured out a lot of our systems so much from that experience that now that we have grown back past where we were before, we're actually quite a bit uh, more profitable than we were last time we were at this size because now we like understand it. our like resource allocation way more. Um, so it, 
it's actually been a good thing for the business in a weird way. Um, and, you know, I, I feel bad saying that obviously because so many people have like lost their of jobs course. from this and other companies have really struggled from it. But, you know, we at least have been able to turn a lot of those lessons into, you know, good things for the company and for everyone involved in it. Did you feel like, did you feel like every, once everyone kind of got their PPP loans, they just like really doubled down on the growth. They're like, I got to go all out on the, on the online side of things and just really hit it hard. Yeah, I, I, I really feel that. And I really feel like we haven't had an, a recession or an economic downturn. We've had a shuffling. So right. all of the money left, you know, Main Street and went to online. Right. right. People right. stopped going out and buying things in stores. They stopped going to restaurants, whatever, but they started buying tons of e-commerce and they started, you know, buying more apps and things like that because we stopped getting any outreach from any company that was exposed to like local businesses or offices or whatnot. But we started getting a lot more e-commerce companies contacting us and some of the e-commerce companies or consumer finance type companies you're we working with, like wanted to increase their projects or, you know, in some of their cases, they, basically wanted to just give us like free run with the content instead of them being as involved. Cause they were like, we doubled our business in the last month. We grew more in the last six weeks than we grew in the last 12 months. Like we cannot focus on this right now. Like just go and like, do, you know, do your stuff. Cause we have to like put out a hundred fires over here or, right. you know, we were getting this outreach and it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're converting like twice as many people as we used to off our Facebook ads. And we like want to just capture all this growth now while every other business, while every other business is being scared. Like how do we just start getting aggressive on SEO as well? Like we've been hearing a lot more of those stories now. So I think that that's been a big part of it too, is, we're just, we're getting demand from slightly different places now, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you, what would you say in terms of the overall uh, process? You said you guys kind of, uh, you know, made, made things a little bit more efficient. You know, now you're hiring obviously more project managers. Like what was the, what was kind of the key component of, of your overall process that you say that really helped you guys, you know, reach that efficiency level? Cause I know for us, for example, we were at a point where it's like, you just got all this work. You had no time to focus on getting, getting these process it was just like go 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 it's a growth period like we can't focus on anything else and then once things slow down you're like okay now we got to like move this puzzle the right way and move things around like where, where do you think your guys's biggest thing was was it like different like you know pieces of software was it the way you allocated your like people how, how did that whole thing work out yeah that's a good question you know we we definitely had you know a couple i guess so the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, when you, when you tell people on the team that like, we need to figure this out, right. people react in different ways. And, you know, every, pretty much everybody on the team reacted super positively and was like, you know, cause we, we didn't do any layoffs, right? We said like, look, we're, we want to figure this out and we want to figure out how we need to cut costs basically by this much. Right. So like everybody, like, let's figure it out and then talk to individual team heads and said, you know, Hey, like we need to figure out how to like reduce spend on these things by like this amount. Um, but we need to try to find ways to do it without, you know, it's like, we don't want to pay our writers less. Right. Cause it's like right, we want right. good writing. So we need to find other, okay. Is there ways that we can like, you know, be able to manage more people or can we like, you know, cut down on tools or are there time saving things we can do, whatever. And it's like, everybody was super responsive to that and understood that we were like trying to work together to, you know, protect everyone's like, jobs and everyone's work um stuff like where where's your sort of market at this point for growth machine 
It's really still a mix. Uh, it's funny, the areas where we get the most inbound and tend to do the best are in the financial space and in the consumer health and wellness space, which if you talk to any SEO, will tell you those are the absolute worst areas to do SEO in. So I don't know how we like got this reputation. Well, I kind of know how we got the reputation and I don't know why we're like particularly good at it. Um, but it, it just, we do very well there. And I think part of it's that we found like awesome writers and we have a really good process and we can be competitive in these tough fields, but we get a lot of interest in there. So still a decent amount of that. I mean, again, like lots of e-commerce people reaching out. And I think part of that is just because there's such a surge in e-commerce demand now, right? Like everyone wants to buy things online and it it really is. I'm sure you felt this too. It's like you, you get into a flywheel effect with an agency where the more you work with companies in a certain field, the more other companies in that field want to work with you. Right. So it's weird. It's like uh, they're almost connected in some way, but they're really not in any way. It's just like this energy that comes about and it's just like all these people just start coming to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the, you know, they, they see the logo on the website and they're like, right. Oh, I know that company. I want, I want our company to be like that company. I'm going to reach out to them. Right. It's like, you know, we, we did, we did a ton of uh, SEO and content for QuickBooks. Uh, and oh, nice. we had one big, we had one big client who reached out and they were like, yep, we know you did a lot of the stuff for QuickBooks. Like we want that. Like, how do we get going? And there's like almost no sales process. They were just like, we know you did their stuff. Like we want that. Like, how do we get going? And they were in like a kind of a tangential field from them. So it was perfect because they were like, okay, we know you can write about challenging stuff and we know you can deal with a big, like, you know, corporate client, like, let's just go. It's like, oh, okay. And I think the same thing for like the e-commerce stuff where it's like people see that we, you know, had worked with like Perfect Keto or Four Sigmatic or we're working with like, I uh, other I'm thinking who's on the website that, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, b- names that people recognize then they go like, right. Oh, those are huge brands now. Right. Like we want to work with them too. So you, it, I think that's the other great thing about like inbound sales in an agency environment is like just the more work you do, the more inbound you tend to get just because there can be more and more referrals and more and more recognition of the companies you've worked with. Are you, are you still primarily doing all the sales at uh, Growth Machine? Is that still your kind of go, go to thing or you have no, a whole sales? No, I don't do sales anymore. Oh, that's nice. exciting. Nice. It's like the, the biggest life improvement ever. I, I tried to hire for sales for eight months and then I finally got it right in January this year. So, oh, really? Yeah. Had hired, had hired two different people last year. Neither of them worked out. Uh, and then third time was the charm. The guy we hired in January has just been incredible. He's better at it than I am. He's taking over the entire sales process and just been running with it. And it's like, he's, yeah, like I said, like two clients a week, he built out the whole, we, we used to just do content and link building. Now we have these audit packages as well for clients who can't afford to do like a full thing with us. He basically built out that whole offering in terms of how we like sell it and pitch to clients. Uh, and yeah, he's just been crushing it. I mean, he's, it's literally like the, it's, it's one of those good problems where the biggest like issue in the company right now is that he's like too good at his job and we can't <laughs> keep up in terms of staffing the projects. So oh, we, shit. I joke that I'm just, I've joked that I'm just going to like pay him his commission for two weeks to go like sit on a beach somewhere and stop like selling shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, it. We need a break, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're too good at what you're doing, man. Like just chill out for a quick second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we, we hired a recruiter because we didn't have time to hire people to fill 
the needs of the team because we're overworked doing the work that we're getting because of him. But he can't keep doing work unless we hire people to take on the work, but we can't hire people to take on the work because we're doing the work. It's like, it, just, it created all, <laughs> it's a great problem. It's like, I'd much rather have this problem than the, oh my God, how can we get clients problem? Right, um, right, 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 but, right. Yeah. And then, you know, we just want to be careful because we, we've made the mistake before of like hiring too aggressively and assuming growth will just go on forever. And then yeah. it doesn't. Right. And then you go like, oh, fuck, we just, you know, increased our monthly burn by $30,000 and we don't have the clients to cover it anymore. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, we've we been to be careful not to do that. Right. That's like not a fun situation to be in either. Uh, no. <laughs> but we're, we're figuring it out. I feel like so much of agency growth and work is learning how to tighten that feedback loop and really master the finances of like increasing spend like slightly ahead of growth and then growing beyond your spend and then bringing spend up to growth and then growth like goes back up and then spend catches up versus like you know spend 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 and then like hope the growth comes up to it and then be like ah shit no we have to like go back down here and then you like go too far and then you're overworked and you're like oh no you shoot over like yeah. getting really good at that tight loop is kind of like the name of the game with building a sustainable agency. Yeah. That's, that's like what it was for us. Like right when that COVID thing hit, it was just like everyone pulled back on retainers. Everyone pulled back on projects where we were halfway through things, designing things, going to the next route. And it was just like, put everything on hold. And you're just like, well, we've just been like going. <laughs> so we're, we were hoping yeah. that this would be coming in and yeah, I know it happens, man. It's crazy. But, um, so how, uh, how many, uh, are you guys hiring directly? Or are you guys still using recruiters for all your internal stuff? Uh, we're doing both. So, you know, we, we have hiring listings on our website, uh, right. but we switched to using recruiters now. And I think part of it is because it is a bit of a, it, it is a hirer's market right now, right? Yeah. So like if you are hiring for things, you kind of have a lot of the cards right now, but there, you know, there's just so many candidates out there that if you just sit back and wait for them to come to your listings, like you're just, it's, you're gonna have a hard time finding the best people. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. we've been trying to hire SEO project managers for like six months. And in those six months, we found like two awesome people, right? Which is just like not an acceptable hit rate. So we hired, uh, we hired the recruiter because we like needed somebody to actually start hitting people up on LinkedIn, trying to poach them, trying to reach out to them versus like waiting people who are already going on the job boards. So yeah, that's just been yeah. like, so far it's been really good for our time because now instead of looking at, I mean, dude, I'm, sh I'm sure you experienced this too. Like you put up a well-paying remote job, like we'll get 300 applications. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll we get, get a, we get a bunch especially for certain roles. Like if we put up an editing job if we put up like a, you know, associate editor, or managing editor, and it's like, Oh, it's an editing job. That's remote that pays well, that like has awesome benefits. It's like a startup culture. It's like those jobs don't exist. And we we've gotten a thousand applications for an editing job before. Oh, just holy like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. For one role. It's like, there's no way to filter through that. So we like having somebody helping handle the, handle the recruitment process, I think it's just been like such a great investment um, so that we can focus on like doing what we do best and just talk to a few of the people who make it through their, their filters. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what is your, what would you say your primary role at the moment is on a day-to-day -day basis at, at growth? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a combination of, you know, we've got a head of marketing now too. So we've got somebody running the marketing. So I'm not doing that. We've got somebody running sales. So I'm not doing that. Uh, I've got to, you know, stay on top of the finances, right? And 
I'm, I'm still the, the person that the head of sales and the head of marketing report to. So I'm still like running sales and marketing, but I'm not actually doing it. I'm sort of like there to give advice and be a resource uh, and like check in and make sure everything's going well. And then, you know, on the operations side, Nora runs pretty much all of that in terms of like the client work and whatnot. Um, but since we had such crazy growth, I've got like eight clients right now, which I haven't had for a long time. So I, wow. I didn't, I wasn't doing client projects for like a year and a half probably, but just because of you know, what happened with all the COVID stuff, part of like making things more efficient was like me taking on some of the client work. Right. And so it's like, that's been different because I just haven't done it in so long. Um, right. Right. It's like relearning so something almost. It really is like I, you know, other people on the team had to teach me how to do some of the stuff that we do now, which is kind of cool. Um, I was like, oh, I didn't, I was like, I didn't design this system. Like when did we start doing it this way? But in like a good way, I was like, oh, this right. is cool. This is like much more efficient. Yeah. How um, many writers are you guys at? Oh, I mean, in our database or that we work with? That you, get, that you work with just like on client projects and different things like that. Yeah, that we're actively working with is probably like 30. But oh, nice. our whole database has like 5,000 some writers in it now. I mean, wow. I, I, I think we've got one of the most robust freelance writer networks of like any company out there. I don't know anybody. I don't know any other agency or like hiring board or writing company that has as like well-organized of a writer database as we have. So that's the writer finder, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it's, it. Yeah. It's just, it's an, it's an incredible resource for us because like it's, if we need a really good writer on any topic, there's probably going to be like five or 10 in there that we can reach out to and see their samples and see if they're a good fit. And then, you know, if people reach out and they want writers too, it's like we can almost always find somebody for them. I don't remember the last time that somebody gave us a request. We didn't, we weren't able to find a writer for them within our network. Wow. That's amazing, man. And how long did that take you to build up? Three years, probably. Oh, yeah, it's a, been like a nonstop. It's been an ongoing project. I mean, if you look at our career page, we always have a hiring page up for writers because we can always use more people in there. And we'll put out a hiring call on like job boards every six or 12 months. So, you know, we'll go on like we work remotely or remote. Okay. Or one of those and put up the listing for freelance writers and collect more people's info that way and reach out to them and let them know like, Hey, uh, we got your info. We might not have a job for you right now, but we've got it. And you know, once we have something or once we talk to someone who needs your help, like we'll let you know. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's great because if you're a freelance writer, like you don't normally just like get jobs brought to you. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Like, exactly. exactly. You know, you, you're, you're like going on Upwork or Freelancer and you're like pitching people to give you a job, right? Like they fill out the info on our database and then one day like some jobs just start showing up. And the freelancers who are like more in our network and have worked on client projects, it's like they might get five articles a week or eight articles a week. I mean, we had one guy who was doing 12 articles a week at one point. He was like, he, yeah, he was a freelance writer who was just a machine. He was incredible at it. He was one of the highest paid people at the company um, because wow. he was just like, he could, he could bang out 12, you know, $200 articles a week or $150 articles a week. And like that, that adds up pretty fast. That <laughs> you make does good add money up doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love it. So tell me what, what, what tools inside a growth machine? Cause you got so many things going on. I mean, you guys are from the sales side to all this. Are you guys like, I know you're, you're on Asana, right? Like you guys use yeah, Asana, use Asana for, your... for pretty much all project management and then notion for info management. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and you, you haven't gotten the whole team on Rome research. I'm, I'm assuming. 
No, I mean, multiplayer Rome is not very good yet. So I think once, once they improve their collaboration tools, I would love to do that someday. But it's, I mean, Rome is like such a nerdy fringe knowledge management tool. It's not sexy and functional the way Notion is. Right, so, right. And, and, and Notion's just so much better for team collaboration than Realm. It's like Realm's collaboration tools are pretty bad right now. So uh, I would love it if we could just have everything in Realm, but <laughs> maybe a couple of years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, are you guys primarily uh, like kind of Slack communication, email? Is everything going through Asana? Like what's your, what's your kind of flow? And, and I guess my other question is like, obviously with all these leads and everything that you have, um, are you guys still on like using like HubSpot and all that stuff? Like how does your, how does your process currently, currently like work? Because I know we try to, you know, try to automate that thing as much as possible until it gets to a point where we're like, oh, this fits our needs. Like we can move forward with this. Yeah, we do all of our task management in Asana and any discussion of individual tasks will mostly happen in Asana. Uh, we use Zapier really extensively. So tons of our yeah. Asana management is done through Zapier. So, you know, little things like when we design a content plan for a client, we can basically just like hit go on a Zap and it will create their entire editorial calendar for us with wow. like all of the subtasks for each article and assign them to the writers and editors and like create their immediate due dates and like just do all this crazy stuff, which is awesome. Wow. Um, so we, we use that a ton for like general communication. That's all in Slack. We never use email unless it's with like clients. So anything internal is going to be in Slack. Anything external will be with email. Um, and then yeah, like wiki stuff in notion, other docs and Google docs, and then sales is, uh, all HubSpot and Quiller, which you turned me on to. We love Quiller. Oh, you're using so. Quiller, man. I love yeah, it. it's I so nice. It. Dude, it's a, that's, so that's a really sex, a sexy piece of software, man. I, I really yeah. love that thing. It's, it's awesome. Um, let me ask you really quickly. So with, with kind of um, obviously using like Slack and you guys aren't using it, do you guys let a lot of your clients into sort of your Asana wheelhouse or anything like that? We never, uh, well, so they get an Asana board and we so we created an asana board for them where we assign them any article drafts that we need feedback on that's just a really easy way to manage uh kind of like the articles that we're working on for them so they can like get feedback on them and like check them off as ready to go uh we don't let them in slack though yeah 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 okay because I, yeah. I i was talking to somebody else and it was just one of those things like it was such a learning curve for a lot of our clients to be you know using asana here and then with somebody else they're using trello and they're using this so i'm always curious because we we i mean we pretty much uh at this point we switched over from asana to jira and confluence kind of that whole atlassian uh suite mm -hmm. of products just because it just works so well together but yeah letting people into that whole thing has been just like a headache so we have to like manage like google docs and like different things and so i'm always kind of curious to see like obviously you guys are banging out you know you got one guy banging out 12 articles it's like somebody's got to make sure to stay on top of those emails or something like that so that's really interesting to 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 hear how you guys do it so how's uh how's everything in terms of like your growth like are you guys constantly now just like hiring uh more and more people or is it kind of like hey we're at a good place we can handle more clients but we don't need to bring on like an extensive amount of like new project managers and different things no, definitely need more help, right? So we're actively hiring for another project manager right now. And even when they come on, we'll probably have to start looking for another one and maybe looking for another editor uh, just because it's like the projects keep coming up. Um, and so that those are like the main two that we'll have to 
that we have to hire for the fastest are like project managers and editors because the writers we can scale up and down pretty quickly since we work with so many of them and each one is not doing like a full-time workload right uh but you know we for a certain number of projects we do need a manager for them uh and we kind of like we just, you know, we've been adding clients so quickly and I think we, we've gotten a lot better at just what we do. And so clients are staying on for longer. And yeah. so we're getting like this double effect in terms of growth where not only are we signing people at a faster rate than we used to, but we're also retaining people for longer. So it's, you know, it's one thing if you're signing two clients a week and the average client lasts six months, right? Because then you're going to have, uh, what, 24 clients most of the time. Right, because if you're all stick for six months to a week, you'll like stay around 24. But if you're signing two clients a week, most clients stick for eight months. Well, now you're sitting on like 32 clients, right? Right. It's like right. It's, it's a small tweak, but you've just increased your client man- like management by about 50 percent, right? Just by adding two months to like your average retention. So that's like. Uh, you know, that, that's the thing that we've had to account for too, is not only do we need to hire because of growth, we need to hire because of retention. So, and that, that gets tricky too, because, you know, you, you want to minimize having to change out the point of contact internally for a client. Right. So trying to figure, trying to figure that out too, just to make sure that like people are happy and they're talking to somebody who they know and like, um, but while also realizing that we just like can't keep having me and Nora managing so many clients. So trying to figure that out. Yeah. 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 What is, what is your average uh, client like life cycle? Is it about 12 to 18 months? Like what, is, what would you say on average your, uh, your life cycle of a client might be? It's like seven to eight months. Okay. Like okay. Nice. Yeah. And then do you guys, do you guys have a pretty strict like vetting process at this point who you take on in terms of like new clients and like delegating that? Or do you, do you turn, I'm, I'm assuming you also turn away a lot of people just because they don't meet, you know, the some criteria that you guys are trying to obtain, obviously. Yeah. We turn away a lot of people just for budget, right? Yeah. Cause we're, we're fairly like top of market. We want to work with like really cool companies. Uh, so if a company just like can't afford to do a full project with us, we'll usually suggest they do an audit and then go run with it themselves for a bit and come back or just come back in like six months if they've had more growth. Um, cause it's like, <clears throat> we really, you know, we don't want to do small projects cause they end up typically end up being more of a headache. Uh, clients who want to do really small projects are usually more annoying than clients who want to do big projects. Of course. Uh, so we'll typically just turn those away and focus on like the bigger ones that we're going to be more excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you, did you have you guys found your like perfect like little niche of industry? Like you said, like supplements and different things. Is that kind of where you guys are, you know, shine the brightest? Or have you found something else that works for you guys that you're like, man, we, we just knock it out of the park every time this comes around? Not really. I mean, it's SEO. So you kind of have to be industry agnostic, right? right. Like, <laughs> if you're just doing SEO for, you know, uh, health and wellness, you're going to end up competing with yourself pretty quickly. So you know, we, we tend to, we tend to just do very well in like broad e-commerce companies, I think, uh, e-commerce and then like, uh, information or like advertising companies that can like rapidly monetize the traffic. Right. So not really affiliate sites, but like, uh, information or niche sites, we tend to do very well, assuming they have like a good enough monetization to justify spending that much on SEO. So, but I, we are pretty industry agnostic. It's like, as long as there is an SEO opportunity in the field and as long as we can find a good writer to go after it, we can usually work with them. Um, since the underlying process is basically the same, right? 
in the same way that like you don't you don't necessarily need to be a different kind of designer to work in a different industry right like it's still right is right, design right. right like seo is very similar in that sense where it's like you don't have to be a you know a plant niche seo right. it's right like if you understand the fundamentals you can apply them in pretty much any area as long as you can find somebody authoritative enough to talk about it yeah and and i know you share a lot of this stuff on uh, on twitter and i'm always uh, uh very intrigued by um you know some of the some of the data points and stuff that you share at what point do you think like after you bring on a client you see that it's a good fit at what point do they actually start to you know they come back and like nat you're kicking ass right now like where where's that point is it like a three month span where they start seeing those results or how does that usually kind of pan out for you guys or is it you know a six month period or where, where did they usually come back and just you know start, start, uh, partying with you basically. <laughs> it really depends on where they are when we get started. If they already have a relatively high domain authority, it might be a month, right? Like, oh, wow. you know, we, we had, we had one client who, and we're still working with them, but when they came in, they had a domain rating of like 73, it's insanely high, but they had right. no good content on their site. And so we published their first articles and within a week they were on page two of Google, right? Like oh, wow. it was, it was almost immediate. It was really fast, right? Just cause they, they already had that authority. And so we were just piggybacking on that. We had good content. It was like really fast results, but starting a site from scratch might be a year, right? It's going to yeah. take a lot longer. So a lot of it depends on that initial authority and then how much work they're doing to increase that authority with us, right? Like, We've got a post on this called the critical authority threshold where it's like there's this sort of like arbitrary line in Google's mind where you need a certain amount of age and like backlinks to be considered high profile enough to get the traffic that you could be getting for your content. And right. if the site's not over that, then it might look like they're making no progress, but like they're actually getting closer to the threshold even if their traffic's not going up. You just have to like keep sticking with it and keep link building and doing everything until they start to see that like surge in traffic come up. Uh, so for newer... <clears throat> for newer sites, a lot of the work is getting them to that, that threshold so they can start to get all the traffic they've been building up from publishing for months and months. Right, right. And are you guys, when you guys primarily work with people, is it like, you know, one type of one-stop shop where it's like link building SEO, the whole shebang, or is it, do people just come to be like, Hey, I want you guys just to do kind of the link building side of things. Like, is it, is it kind of like ad hoc type of thing or where do you guys fall into that? Yeah, we'll recommend based on what it seems like they need. Uh, if they just, if they already have great authority and they don't need links, we'll say, let's just do content. If they don't have much authority, but they want traffic, we'll say, look, we're going to need to do some amount of link building. You're just not going to get it if we just do articles. So we'll look at their site and make a recommendation and then try to work with their budget to figure out a package that fits where we can be pretty flexible with it. Now we used to be much stricter in our packages, but we've improved the system enough where we could do, you know, like, okay, we're going to do you know, five to seven links per month and six articles a month, or we're going to do 10 links a month and 20 articles a month, right? Like we can customize it based on how aggressive they want to be with hitting their goal and what we think they need in terms of like authority versus content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, no, that, that's really awesome. So what, what's next uh, in terms of, are you guys going to be building a lot of your own, like, are you building any actual products under like growth machine in terms of, you know, anything that you guys see in your space, like helping you out or, you know, uh, I, I know like for us, for example, like we're constantly focusing, like we're trying to shift a little bit more from service over to the product side of things, just because we see so many little, I think there's actually one app, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll share it with you right now. I have 
haven't shared this publicly. We're actually building an app right now that's uh, basically pinned tweets. So you can actually have like a whole thing where you can see everyone's pinned tweets based on the categories. So for example, in like marketing, if you have like a really strong like pinned tweet, Nat will show up first basically. Oh, and, and and so it becomes like this whole like almost like this marketing thing. And we're actually about to launch it in the next like couple of weeks. But um, I think I feel like pinned tweets is just such a missed opportunity for a huh. lot of people. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people put like their main piece of, you know, content up there and they want that people to see it. But then if somebody doesn't go to your profile, they really never see that. I can see it. Yeah. So are you guys doing a lot of like uh, other like product based? Are you like shifting anywhere? Or are you just going to strictly stick with like service stuff? I mean, we're trying to get our, our product out of Shopify ever approves the damn thing. <laughs> uh, God, I, yeah, I just literally, I was talking I to them. What's going on with that email? It's so weird. And I followed up with them this morning too. And I'm just like, hey guys, any, any update on this? And nobody's gotten back to me yet. So I'll have to go in and see what the hell's going on. But they're, I mean, they're too busy cashing yeah. in those, those fat stock stock prices are you a, are you a shopify stock owner nat dude i wish <laughs> man i bought in when it went down to 300 and so i'm actually Smart. yeah it was one of those things I was good like, now oh. uh, I, didn't buy, I, I feel like i didn't buy enough though to be honest with you man like i was just yeah. like man this could have been a this could have been a nice pretty penny so well that that was that was a good lesson that uh, a friend or uh, something i heard from a friend once which is like the problem with investing is that you're never correct you right. either always bought too much or too little or you know right. sold too much or too little it's like no matter what outcome you get there is always a way where you can make it feel inadequate in your head right <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you, you never yeah, you at- never bought the exact right amount at the exact right time I know it's like Tesla. I mean, I bought Tesla and I bought like a few, a few, a few shares and all of a sudden it just like takes this like huge uphill rise. And I'm like, why did I not just dump everything? I have? <laughs> yep. So I feel about Peloton. It's like I bought a bunch of the IPO and now it's like, man, I should have bought more of it. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Never, well, when did they, I, when did they IPO? Did, was that recent? It was like nine months ago. Oh, I haven't been, see, I haven't followed. I'm not a Peloton guy. Are you a Peloton guy? Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't use it as much right now because I'm doing more running, but oh, uh, it's a great device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. We're we're working with a company right now. Have you heard of Tempo Fit by any chance? Tempo Fit, no. Check it out. They're like one of those like stand up like mirror type things where you oh, can cool. actually get yeah. So it's it's another one of those little gadgets. But no, that that's that's awesome, man. Um, but yeah, no, I I really appreciate you uh you know being on here and sharing a lot of this stuff, man. I I obviously truly enjoy working with you and your team is awesome. And I'm hoping to knock this whole uh you know project out the park with you guys, man. I'm I'm really yeah, excited. we're super excited. I can't wait can't wait to get the new new site out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything, anything else that people n- need to know about Growth Machine? What's coming up, or anything like that that you want to share? Or no, I mean, you know, check us out, GrowthMachine.com. We've got a pretty good blog, lots of good articles coming out there now. And uh, yeah, if you hear this and you want to reach out to me or ask any questions, I'm on Twitter, just at Nat Eliason. That's N A T E L I A S O N, and I'm pretty responsive there. Yeah, and we'll make sure to share that as well on, on our end. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure it's on, on YouTube and, uh, and all that good stuff. But thanks, Nat. Thanks for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. This is a pleasure chatting. And uh, yeah, let's, let's do this again sometime, man. Let's, let's, uh, let's definitely try to you know, keep this going. And if you ever need anything from me, just hit me up, man. Sounds great, dude. Likewise, maybe if uh, Shopify finally approves the app, we can do a recap after a couple months or something. 
Yeah, let's do that. I'd love to see how that goes because I definitely see a big, uh, big void in that in the in the app store business. So that's that's yeah, amazing, man. Yeah, awesome. That well, uh, pleasure, and um, I'll definitely be in touch with you, my man. Sounds good, dude. Talk soon. All right, cheers, man. Yep. Bye. Bye.